was really the Lord, wasn't it? That song. Even though it was sung by you too. Even though. Well, you know, some people don't like you too. I personally like them. But let me just read some of the words of that song. It says, uh, when you look at the world, what is it that you see? Uh, people find so many things that bring you to your knees. I see an expression so clear and so true that changes the atmosphere when you walk into the room. So I try to be like you. Try to feel it like you do. Anybody want that this morning? Feel it like the Lord feels it? It's no use. I can't see what you see when I look at the world. My, my mind wants some answers. You're trying to get some sleep. Your thoughts are too expensive. Anybody got any thoughts that are too expensive this morning? Any thoughts that keep you awake at night? That, that really haggard you, make you haggard feeling? My thought, your thoughts are too expensive to ever want to keep. When there's all kinds of chaos, everyone is walking lame. You don't even blink, do you? Don't even look away. So I try to be like you. Try to feel it like you do. It's no use. I can't see what you see when I look at the world. I can't wait any longer. I can't wait to grow stronger. I can't wait to see what you see when I look at the world. That's pretty pretty powerful, isn't it? It's really what the Lord's heart is, I believe. Um, that's why I love that song, because I feel like that uh, that song communicates what God's heart is. Is it, is it? He wants us to be able to see what He sees and hear, hear what He hears because we don't always see what God sees. And we don't hear what God hears. And when we, when we begin to see what He sees and hear what He hears, we'll see something completely different than what you normally hear and see. And I just really feel like this morning the Lord wants to offer us the more ability to see those things that He sees. To see it like He does. And that's really been, you know, that song, I've sort of listened to that song over and over and over in my car sometimes, like, Lord, I really need to see what you're seeing here, because I don't see it, and I really don't see what, what you're seeing, and I don't hear what you hear, but I want to. It's my prayer that the Lord would really give that, and I believe that's really something the world desperately needs, is people who see it like the Lord sees it. Amen? So, let's just pray a moment, if you're interested in that. Uh, which I'm sure you are. Most people should be. Anyway, if you're not, that's, that's okay too. Between you and the Lord. Lord, we just want to ask you this morning with all sincerity and Lord, as you have really spoken to us and through that song, Lord, and through the worship earlier. And Lord, we really do want to see it like you see. Lord. And Father, I'm praying this morning just like when Paul the Apostle uh, was prayed for uh, and these scales fell off his eyes. Uh, after he was blinded. I pray that something like that would happen to us, Lord. That these scales would fall off of our eyes, these scales of hurt, and these scales of pain, these scales of religion, these scales of things that have really colored the way we see things and hear things. I pray today they would begin to fall off in us, Lord. Lord, I pray we'd see the world and see each other, see life completely different, Lord Jesus, than we've ever seen it before because we're seeing it from your perspective, Lord. Lord, I ask you to give us that, Lord. That's a gift from heaven, and we want to have it now. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought it was interesting that the Lord was a black fellow in this thing. Didn't you think that was kind of interesting that God turned black on us? I remember one time I asked this black lady, what, I 
I said, when you see the Lord uh, just curious, what race do you see him as? A black person. Yes. What she said to me, of course I see him as black. Well, you think I'm going to see him as a white God? <laughs> you know, he's black, of course. <laughs> she was serious, like, what's wrong with you? Jesus is black. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He is black to you. However he looks to you. Amen. But I, that's, you know, he may surprise us. I'm, you know, this is the truth. There's a black side to God. There's a white side to God. There's a Hispanic side to God. Otherwise, they wouldn't be black people and white people and Hispanic people and Asian people. All those people are expressions of the Lord. And that's why God hates racism and hates division so much. Because He's not divided. And when we look at God, we can see all those different people, groups, individuals. Because they're all in Him. Otherwise, they wouldn't be walking on this earth today. And somehow or another, we've gotten divided over those kinds of things. And the Lord wants to break those walls down. I really believe that. Amen? Well, um, let's see. I want to try to talk to you this morning a little bit. I had a good friend of mine ask me recently, do you ever have a hard time getting to coming up with stuff to preach? I said, well, I used to. But I've changed my philosophy on preaching. And uh, so I don't have a hard time coming up here and preach. And I've changed my philosophy about what you preach. Here's what you're supposed to be preaching. You're supposed to be preaching what the Lord's doing. You know, if preachers would do that, preach what God's doing, you'd have more to say than you can imagine. You hear that? And that really gives you something to talk about, is you can talk about what God's doing. You don't have to look for stuff. All you gotta, Your big issue then is how do you craft it, so to speak, to make, for people, it can make sense to people, where they can hear testimony, really testify on what really the Lord really is doing. So I think that's really part of the my prayer is, Lord, I want to be a, a person who speaks and as a minimum brings people to a place where they can receive revelation. That's a minimal thing that preachers should be doing is bringing to people to a point at least they can receive revelation. You know, go higher and maybe they're getting revelation right that moment. But I think as a minimum, the Lord wants people to have revelation. Um, because I believe we have a lot of understanding of, of, of things and you know spiritual things, but we have lack a lot of revelation on it. Therefore, we're not walking in it because you can't walk in something that you don't have revelation on. You can't walk on understanding of your mind spiritual things. So we desperately need revelation. And I have this new Bible here. How do y'all like that Bible? That's cute, isn't it? I've been wanting a new Bible for a long time, and I've been searching for Bibles. And I wanted something that was a little better than the normal Bible. Okay, you see this Bible? It's sort of got gray on it and black. It's different. It's calves, huh? No, it's not Raiders. I'm sorry about that. We're not going for that revelation. Forget that revelation. <laughs> That's not a revelation. That's an under carnal understanding. There. We're Panther fans here. <laughs> So, uh, anyways, that Bible costs 20 bucks. It's a nice little Bible. Uh, it's different, you know. And I feel like the Lord wanted me to find something different because He wants me to do something different. So I got this new little Bible that I can't hardly see without my glasses. <laughs> but 
Well, I can't see the big ones without my glasses, but um, let me just try to share this, and hopefully you'll hear the Lord speak to you. Um, I don't even know why I have the Bible here, really, because I got it up there on the screen. <laughs> just in case the Lord gives me another verse, I can pick it out. Um, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, that just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. And um, this is sort of like Genesis right here. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. Okay? In the beginning, God did, did some things. And that's really what Luke was trying to communicate. The beginning of the New Testament. The beginning of what God was doing. And he did it in a what he called an orderly account. That's the way he operated. Um, but he did it. He started from the very beginning. He did it in order. And he did it so that people could know something. And he wasn't giving it to them so they could know just historically or know. He wanted them to know it where they could really live it. Okay? Where it really would grab their life. Okay? And I think it's interesting the first as it goes on, is he talks about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, I believe, is a, like a critical guy for us in the Bible because he is the beginning. He's the beginning of the New Testament. He's, he was there. He was, he was before Christ. He prepared us for, for Christ. And so, you know, I shared with you a few weeks ago some, a few things from John the Baptist's life. Y'all remember those things? Anybody remember? Uh, nobody remembers except Mary, and since she likes to rate her, she doesn't count, right? <laughs> Actually, I shared three things from his life. One, number one, is John means, his name means, God is gracious. That's what John means. Named by an angel. And that part of what God wants to communicate right from the beginning is that the, the need for a real revelation of, of true grace, real revelation of grace, Otherwise, we'll never be able to accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. And part of what John the Baptist did was he preached a pretty hard message of repentance. And we'll never be able to preach any kind of real message of repentance without having a real revelation of grace. And it is absolutely necessary for us to really have a revelation of grace. And probably at least half the people in here don't have that revelation. They have an understanding. And you really need to make that part of your prayer. Lord, give me a revelation of grace what real grace is, that grace is the power of God that enables me to live my Christian life. And I live by grace. I don't live by my own self. That's the grace of God. And it's nutshell instance. Another thing was the need for angelic activity. Is that we really need to go back, and I went back and read you some verses out of the New Testament of all the places where angels showed up. And that we need angels in our life. We need angels to help us. The Bible's clear on that. Paul needed them. Peter needed them. Jesus needed them. Why should we think anything else about ourselves? That we think, you know, we don't need them. We should be asking God, Lord, send the angels. Send the angels. Lord, when we, 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 when we don't feel like worshiping, send some angels to start singing and worshiping so I'll hear them and I'll get stirred to worship. You know, Lord, when, I, when I, I desperately need help doing something or I need protection, send some angels. We need to ask God for angels. 
We need to call forth for the angels to come and be active in our lives. It's a, it's a New Testament. It's, it's, it's normal in the New Testament. Normal. And uh, I thought that was interesting. She had the sign up here. By the way, those signs were very prophetic. I don't know who picked them out. But those signs were very, very prophetic that those people had. Every one of those signs, I thought, man, that's interesting that those people would have those particular signs in front of them. I think that was the Lord. That wasn't an accident. And just think about the different people who had them. Brian, Davis made a big statement today on just this sign. That's a huge statement he stood up here and made in front of everybody. I think, you know, God was really trying to speak to us more than just the words of that song. I think everybody up here had something that was real prophetic that God was trying to say. So, yeah. Anyways, angels. And the third one was, you know, John the Baptist was a prophet. His daddy said, you're a, you're a prophet of the Most High. Jesus said he was a prophet. Uh, and I think, you know, that's the thing about being prophetic. We need to have prophetic insights released to us. Now, how else are we going to be able to see like the Lord sees without having prophetic insight? That's what prophetic insight is. It's seeing God's perspective. So when we ask for, for, for uh, the beer to see how the Lord sees and hear how He is, we're saying, well, make us prophetic. We're not just, you know, wanting to be prophetic to stand up and speak thus saith the Lord kind of stuff or have a word for a person. It's much greater than that. Those are, you know, parts of it. But we're saying, Lord, we really want to see things the way you see them. Because God doesn't see them the way we see them. And that's being real, that's true prophetic. That's the prophetic of the Bible that God really wants us to release, to be able to release to us. And I believe for us to really walk in, you know, the New Testament life, we have to be prophetic. It's not, you know, an option. It's not just a spiritual gift. It's not just for special people. It's for all of us. And we need to say, Lord, release the prophetic anointing into my life, along with the angels, along with the revelation of grace. And I believe as we do that, we are going to begin to walk in all that God has for us and what the New Testament really teaches. It's powerful. That's why it's first. He was saying you need these things. Those are learnings from John the Baptist's life. Well, there was one more thing um, that I wanted to share with you about uh, John the Baptist. It says, uh, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. That's verse 17 of, of Luke 1. He will go before him being Christ in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, if you're good, if you really are wanting to get hungry, this is the question. What in the world is the spirit and power of Elijah? I mean, you really should ask the question, what is that? What does that really mean? You know, most people are going to think, well, Elijah called fire down from heaven and, you know, split the Jordan and, you know, did a lot of pretty profound stuff. Uh, and so they automatically assume that. But I believe if you go, you know, and study the Bible, what does it mean? You know, Elisha, you know, when, when Elijah was, when God was taking Elijah in the whirlwind, taking him up to heaven, Elisha was saying, I want a double portion of your spirit. You know, I want two X of what you've got. And Elijah, of course, said, well, you can have it if you see me when I leave. And he got, he did watch him leave in the whirlwind, not in the fiery chariot like all the pictures show. Go back and read that. That's, I think that's really important. You know, in other words, there's things meant to distract us. I mean, wonderful things that can distract us from really what God has for us. We need to be careful not to be distracted. Uh, but
uh, he was taken up in the whirlwind, and Elisha saw it and got a double portion of his spirit. Now, what in the world was he asking? And I don't, I can't give you the full answer of what that really means. But there's some what I would call like a, a objective answer. I have two things I want to see. I want to tell you what it means objectively, and tell you what it means subjectively. You know what? Y'all know the difference between objectively. Does anybody know what objectively means? Come on, y'all. Y'all that dumb? Some school teachers in here? <laughs> you need to know anyway. Objectively means it's like a general applies across the board, and subjectively means it's more of a personal thing. It can apply to you on a personal level, what it means. So here's what it means. Uh, I want to just tell you, uh, that word spirit actually in the Hebrew literally means breath. That's what it means, like your breath that you breathe. Uh, let me read one of the things I got out of one of these fancy dictionaries. Uh, the word spirit may also be used of that which enables a man to do a particular job or that which represents the essence of a quality of man. Um, his invisible and tangible qualities. Okay, that's what a man's spirit, his invisible and tangible qualities. In other words, we would say a person who's angry all the time has a mean spirit. Right? Or a person who's real uh, loving and merciful and giving is a, is a person with a gracious spirit. You got that? Are y'all with me? Because if you're not, I'm just going to stop because I don't want to be talking to people who ain't with me. Okay? Come on. You got to wake up. All right? Wake up. Um, you know, the Bible talks about the spirit all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. Like God stirred the spirit of Joshua and Caleb. There's a spirit of jealousy that can come on a person. There's bad spirits. You know, Paul talks about the spirit of faith. That we have the spirit of faith. So you see, it's something that's in you, that's something that calls you to be who you are and what you are. And that's what really Elisha saw Elijah and said, I want to be who you are and what you are. I want to be that. Let me have two times that. He was asking for something he saw. It was intangible, it was invisible. It wasn't just to do the same things Elijah did. But he wanted that spirit, that thing that caused Elijah to be able to do what he did. So he asked for it and he got it. Okay? So, um, you know, Elijah actually threw his mouth on Elisha when he first called him. But he, you know, I found out this, this is interesting for those who like to study the Bible. It was probably 10 years that Elisha actually served Elijah. Up to 10 years. A long time. We, we read in the Bible, it's in a couple of chapters. Well, hey man, that let you know. That happened. He threw the thing on him yesterday and he did all that stuff tomorrow and it was done with. It was 10 years from one chapter to the next. But uh, he did get the mantle of Elijah. He got something that was real. He got it on him because when he, after Elijah was gone, he took and struck the Jordan and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? That's what he did. And the Jordan, the, the, the water parted. He had this same spirit operating on him. And actually, Elisha did twice as number of miracles that Elijah did, exactly two times, counting the one he did when he was dead and they threw somebody in there and just hit his bones. Remember that story? It's in the Old Testament. These guys were burying somebody and they got some raiders came. They just tossed the guy into the grave. He came back alive, tossed him into Elisha's grave. That was his, you know, two times the number, double number of miracles. He didn't have it up to that point. He was like, Lord, you missed it by one. And the Lord took care of it. I'll make sure he gets the one. You know, he'll just do it when he's dead. So, um, here's, a, here's a general aspect 
of the spirit of Elijah. Okay? Uh, this is, and Elijah himself said this after he had gotten in all this big trouble with Jezebel. Remember that? He got in this big mess and Jezebel was trying to kill him. He was scared. He left and got up before the Lord. And the Lord said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Said it to him two times. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Now, um, this is a little, that word zealous. In a man's relation to God, the act of zeal is more positively viewed as the act of advancement of God and his glory over and against his substitute. Okay, in other words, Elijah, when he was saying that, he was saying, Lord, I, you know, I was really doing, I was really concerned about you and about your purposes and about what you wanted to happen. I was concerned about that more than anything else. That's what I'm doing here. Because I have been real concerned about, about the things of God and about the purposes of God. That was part of the spirit of Elijah, I believe. There's a person who looked at what was going on around them and saw, These, this is not right. This is not what God has. You hear what I'm saying? Now, Jesus, hang, on, hang with me. Jesus did the same thing, okay, in the New Testament. Uh, John 2, 14 through 17. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Now, this had been going on for hundreds of years that they were selling, you know, that these doves were for sacrifice. That's what they were for. And so when people would come, they came up with a system, let's make it easy on the people because they may bring a dove that doesn't meet the biblical standards, so we'll make sure we have the right stuff here for them they can just buy it. They won't have to bring it with them. They won't have to go through a big house. So we'll have it here for them. We can buy it. They had certain monies they had to use. That's why they call them money changers. Had all this big system going on. Looked good on the surface. Looked like it was like helping people. This is for convenience. This will make your life easier. It'll make your worship easier. Make you, you know, follow the Lord. You'll satisfy God more. So they get there and they do this. But when Jesus comes, this is what he did. He says, when he had made a whip of cords... He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. Now, obviously, Jesus didn't appreciate what they were doing. He was obviously upset that this was going on. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So think about all the hundreds and thousands of people over the years, all the priests, everybody. This is fine. This is good, what's happening. But Jesus comes and he is consumed by it because in his heart he was saying, this is not God's heart. This is not what God's house is meant to be. God's house is not meant for people to be taken advantage of. God's house is not meant for people, you know, poor people to come in there and some unscrupulous person to, to give them a raw deal. But nobody else saw that. Only Jesus saw that. He saw that people were being taken advantage instead of, and then in another, another in Matthew's render, he added this, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You've made it a den, a den of thieves. See, that was the zeal of the Lord in Jesus. That same zeal that was in Elijah 
that he was concerned about what God was concerned about. He saw the things that God saw. He was con- those are the things that really motivated him and drove him. And I believe that really is at least an aspect of the spirit of Elijah, that we would be people who would be very concerned. This is what God's concerned about. This is what God cares about. And perhaps God doesn't care about everything that we care about. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? And just like, you know, we need the angels, you know, and we need to be prophetic, and we need grace, we need to really get the heart of God about how God feels about things and the things that God is interested in. And just like I told my friend, you know, what you need to do is shift your preaching from trying to come up with messages and try to find out what God's doing and what God's talking about and what God's concerned about and do that. Because that's, that's more of what his heart is. Even if you had to say the same thing over and over and over. Because those are the things that really concern God, not what, what we're concerned with. Are y'all with me? I mean, it's really, I think it's really critical that we ask, Lord, Lord, give us the spirit of Elijah. Because we don't see it like that. We, when we walk in a room, we don't see everybody the way you see them. We can't, Lord, unless you put this spirit on us and cause us to see. But I believe it's something that God wants us to have. Not just try to have a better understanding of the Bible. I think He really wants us to see it the way He sees it. And have the same concerns that He has. Because I'll tell you, there's not many people who do. There's not a lot of people in the world who have this zeal of Elijah, this spirit of Elijah operate now. Yet all Christians should have them. All Christians should be heartbroken over the things that break God's heart. But we're not. And God wants to give us that. It, it is something God gives us. It is not something you earn. It's not something you become, you know, when I get to be a mature Christian, you know, you may mature in it. Are y'all with me? Uh, the other thing is the, is the uh, power of Elijah. I mean, was, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. The power of Elijah. And, you know, here's, here's the power of Elijah, man. I mean, you want to get down to some power? Says Elijah in James 5, 17 through 18, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Now, that's power. When you can pray and God, okay, he prayed, it's not raining. That's real power. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's prayer. His, I believe the power of Elijah was really in prayer. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So the spirit of Elijah would be zealous for the things of God, a passion for the things that God has for, 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 and the power of Elijah would be prayer. We pray, Lord, we can pray like this. We can pray, that's what James is saying. We have this power if we would really tap into it. I thought it was interesting, I'm not going to read all this, about how it came about with the prayer. Elijah went praying, it says he got down on his face, it says that in verse 42 of 1 Kings 18. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, Go up now and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. So he's praying for rain. This is when he broke the heavens, broke the drought. He's praying, Go look. There's nothing. Most of us are like, Oh, well, it ain't worth it. <laughs> you know? And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand. That's all the guy saw. There's just one little teeny cloud. It looks like a hand out there, you know, way out there. Just a tiny cloud rising out of the sea. 
So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. All he had was a cloud the size of a man's hand. All he had. But he said, go, go tell the, go tell the king. You better get going because it's fixing to rain and rain hard. And now it happened in the meantime, the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. And that's power. And that's really what I believe God's calling us to. I believe that's one of the things that the Lord has on his heart right now prayer, is that we can have some, we can command some things in prayer. Hey, Matthew mentioned the, the prayer chain. We were talking about some of the testimonies in the prayer chain. You know when you think prayer chains, oh, you just think people do this, you know, Lord bless them, they're being kind, and hopefully God will do something. God has had, there have been some sensational answers to prayer on the prayer chain. I think, man, i got to get some of my prayers on that prayer chain, because God is doing, I mean, incredible stuff. I mean, miraculous things. Miraculous answers to prayer over a simple thing called a prayer chain. And we had this word, I think Matthew probably mentioned it last week. Uh, keep, ask, ask, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It really is a time where God is calling us to pray. And some, I, I don't know if he mentioned it, but somebody, it was actually Sue, said that knocking was the last phase, you know, before, the, you know, before God was released. And that was really the Lord the Lord did that a couple of weeks ago. It was time to knock on heaven's door. God wants us to. He's calling us to. He's crying out to us to cry out to Him so He can do what He wants to do. We are living in that time. I believe we're living in a time when God will answer our prayers. Now, He's not going to answer a carnal, self-centered prayer. I'm not suggesting that. But I am suggesting this. If we'll cry out to the Lord for things that we know is on God's heart, and God's going to answer those prayers. And we need to be encouraged. This is what the Lord's doing right now. Okay? God is asking us to start praying. That's what He's doing right now. He's saying, y'all need to be praying. Y'all need to be asking. Y'all need to be seeking. Y'all need to be knocking. And I'll answer those prayers if you'll do that. So that's one of the things I believe God's doing right now, obviously. Another thing that obviously God's trying to do right now is God is trying to heal people. God, There's a healing anointing released to heal people. There really is. And God is saying, I'm in the business because one of the things you're going to have to see is you will never be able to see it like the Lord sees it if you are so wounded in your heart. If you have all these wounds in your life, those things distort what you see. They color the world around you. A guy can walk into the room, and you're a wounded person, and he looks at you and looks away. You're all hurt. He might not even see you. He looks, he's probably looking at the wall. But here you are all hurt and messed up, and you spend the next 30 minutes trying to get over it. Because, oh, God, you don't like me. What are you talking about? I don't like you. I won't even look at you. What do you mean? You know? I had a person one time walk in the kitchen to get some water. Next thing I know, after church, they're in my office crying. You came in the kitchen and didn't speak to me. Really? I didn't even see you in the kitchen. But they were so, and I said, listen, this, has, this is not about me. This is about you. You're wounded. You're messed up. This shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be here crying because I didn't talk to you. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy getting a glass of water. You know, speaking of. You see what I'm saying, though? And God is healing people right now. He's healing their hearts. He is doing it sovereignly. He's moving in people's lives. He's you know, coming to people and, and knocking on their door and saying, I want to touch you, I want to heal the pains in your life. 
And I think he wants to do that with, the, you know, your normal kind of healings, like, you know, laying. You remember that song we used to sing? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors and set the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Step oh well. And Andy's, well, Andy's getting worried. He's thinking I'm going to take over leading worship. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but you know what? That's Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. That's Jesus saying, that's why I came to do that. It really is. And that's what he's doing now. So I would like to suggest to all you hurt, wounded people out there this morning that you go to that person and say, I need to be healed. I've shared some of this with some people. The Lord came to me one day. Becky and I were just sitting on the couch praying for our children. You know, like, Lord help, you know, they are messed up or whatever. You know, they got, they ain't doing right, Lord. You know, help them. And the Lord came to me and appeared to me in a vision and started talking to me about my hurts from childhood. The Lord did that. I wasn't asking Him to. He came and said, I want to heal you and fix you. That's what He said, and He did. Miraculously, right down the spot. I was healed of something that happened to me when I was a little boy that I didn't even, wasn't even aware of that was messing me up. I just was messed up. It was God who did it. The Lord did it because the Lord is wanting to do that in people's lives. He didn't do it because He's thinking I'm special. He's thinking that boy needs some help. That's what He was thinking. And He did it. And I ain't going to tell you all the details because you would ask me to leave, you know, because it was sounding soon. But it is, I'll tell you this, the results were there. And all of a sudden, I started seeing things different. And I think it may have came out when I started crying out to the Lord, Lord, I want to see it like you see. Okay. Well, we've got to fix some things in you because your mind and your soul that's got these wounds in it are warping the way you see things. Warping the way you see people. Yeah, I'm warping. So those are a couple things that God's doing. He's doing the... He's pra- it's prayer. It's, uh, um, you know, healing. And, you know, of course, all this ties into outreach. Here's, here's what we're saying is we want to really worship God as a church, but you know what? And when we really enter into real worship, God shows us His heart. And what you're going to find out when you see God's heart is, I really love those people out there. You know what I'm saying? If we just worship just for the sake of worship and our experience of worship, that's going to go nowhere. I promise you that. That's a dead end. We done tried that. It didn't work. When we gave up on, on all that stuff and just started worshiping God for being God, then God starts revealing His heart to you. And His heart is, is He wants to heal people. He wants to touch people. He wants to save the world. So they work together. Amen? All right, so can you got a couple minutes? Let me give you a, one more. Well, let me give you a couple more scriptures. Paul said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we have four things right now from, from John the Baptist we can learn. Number one is angelic activity. Number two, a revelation of grace. Number three, prophetic insight. And number four, the Spirit and power of Elijah. Everybody cool with that? Hmm. Let me just finish. Let me just tell you this. This, uh, this thing here about the greater purposes of God. And, uh, you know, Arthur Burke saying the greater always includes the lesser. Y'all got that? The greater always includes the lesser, not the lesser. You know, the greater 
purposes of God. All right, so we have been taught in the church in the last few years about find your purpose, find your destiny. That is the first grade of Christianity. It is the first grade. It is necessary. But there's something bigger than the first grade. There is God's purpose and God's destiny. That our little part fits into His big part. My little calling fits into His big, big calling. Okay? I better find my little purpose and find my little destiny, but my little purpose and destiny is not an end of itself. It fits into something much greater than me. Um, Colossians has a thing called All Things Summed Up in Christ. That's the story of the book of Colossians. Now, we had this thing uh, Friday night. Was it Friday night when they did that MCA thing? Thursday. MCA had the little kids did their Christmas program here. Okay? And they, here's what they did. This is really profound. It was awesome. They had this song that I've never heard that people act like I was an idiot for never hearing it because I don't listen to Christian radio because most Christian songs to me are pretty like, foo-foo-y. You know, that's the foo-foo sound thing. I don't care. I know why people in the world don't like Christian music. That, this, this is a profound song. Okay, this, this song was profound. Basically what this song did, it went through every book in the Bible and talked about who Jesus was from that book. And what the kids did, the kids all dressed up like the character, like the kid from Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah had a hard hat on. He was a construction worker. A kid from Proverbs had like a graduation thing on. It was, it was profound because what it did, it went through the whole Bible and told you what every book in the Bible was trying to communicate about Jesus, all things summed up in Jesus. It's all going towards Him about Christ. I was extremely blessed by it and sort of jealous because I had these great ideals about one time. I'm going to not do the whole Bible, the whole New Testament, and say, what is the message of Matthew? What is it trying to tell us about Jesus? What is the message of Mark, Luke, John, etc., so on? And they already did it. <laughs> they stole it. You know? <laughs> but it was profound. Now, here's the thing that the Lord was showing me. He was saying to me about history that he does not de deny history. Okay? We've seen, somehow, the, we've sort of gotten away from history in the church, in our church world. God wants us to reconnect with history. Okay? Because history is what makes us who we are. It's, you know, the old saying, his story, history, his story, that's the Lord's story. He doesn't, he doesn't deny history. He embraces his history. And he has a, you know, with, if we can connect with our past history of the church, of the body of Christ, it's the thing that's going to get us to where we need to go in the future. We cannot deny our past. We cannot deny our history. Now, I had this dream last night. That clock's fast. I just remember, that's seven minutes fast. I got, I got seven minutes. All right, here's what the dream was. I want to share this dream. This is the, this is the subjective part of the spirit of Elijah. Had this dream. All right, in this dream, I was at church preaching. Okay, and the church was in a single wide trailer, like a classroom trailer, and the people in the church were like acting like eighth graders. Okay, they wouldn't listen to nothing I had to say. And one of the people was my wife, by the way. I didn't tell her this. Way. She was talking to Sally while I was trying to preach. This having this huge conversation, and the more I tried, the worse it got. I finally just said, I, I just thought, I'm oh, forget it. I didn't say anything. I, just, I was so mad at her. 
I just got up and left. I got up and went out and got in my car and said, I ain't doing this no more, Lord. I am not going to do this. This is ridiculous. Well, the car I got into was significant. It was this yellow Toyota Corolla that I had back in 1985. For sale, yeah, that's what it was. This car was the worst car I ever had in my life. One time I put a bunch of stuff in it. It moved some stuff. And when I, after I did it, the doors would never shut. They always rattled after that. It was like they never, it's like the car got it stretched. Yeah. It was messed up. I hated that car. Hurricane Hugo came, and I was praying, Lord, please let me walk out there in the morning and be a tree on that car. I walked out there, and the trunk had blown open on it. Then I couldn't shut the trunk. I finally sold the car to someone and they and, and made a deal with them. They gave me a hundred bucks down and was going to pay me. They never paid me another dime. So the, the car was sort of a sore point in my life, really. And it was yellow. It was ugly. In those days, it's not like these yellow cars are sort of faddish now. It was not a popular color. It was like, you know, that's ugly, that's stupid. You know, don't drive a car like that. Well, I got in this car. That was the car I was in. Really, the Lord was speaking to me about that time in my life. And that time in my life was when God first started calling me into ministry, to begin to do ministry, and that's sort of the way it was. People didn't listen to nothing I had to say, and I can't blame them. (laughs) They should have had conversations when I was trying to talk. So I got in the car and said, I'm through with this, God. I am not doing this no more. I'm finished. I'm not going to do this. I'm going home. So I was driving in my car, and next thing I knew, I'm in New York City. Okay? I thought, well, I can find my way home. Uh, You know, if I find the Walmart. (laughs) Now, you know how country bad that is. You're looking for the Walmart in Manhattan. I knew if I could just find Walmart, I could get home. But I kept driving past where I thought Walmart was supposed to be and wound up driving down this road, and it was the docks. And I realized, oh, my goodness, I'm in the wrong place. And I turned on this, down this alley to turn in there and back up. It was not the kind of place some you know, southern, ignorant person wants to be called at in New York. I mean, you know... And that was the end of the dream. And the Lord, when I woke up, the Lord said, if you would not have done what I called, if you would have stopped back then, you would have gotten lost in your life. You would have, it would have been like you were the, this, this country bucket in New York City, and you would have gotten lost and missed what I had for you. Now, that's what the spirit of Elijah wants to do. You see, you're going to face things, okay, that are going to try to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. I bet you this evening in the room, you've tried to do something that never works. You feel mad and you feel frustrated and you want to give up. But if I would have gave up, I would have gotten lost in my life. I would have gotten lost in my life. It may have took 15, 19 years later, but I would have been lost in my life. I would have been in a situation that wouldn't have been good for me. And what we've got to hear, the Spirit of Elijah wants to call people to their purpose and their destiny, but here's the thing. Here's what the Lord's saying. Byron, listen, there's something much greater at work here that you don't know. Because I had a destiny from way back that somehow or another I picked you to be a part of so you could bring it on into the future. Do you hear what I'm saying on that? Anybody got that? That God's put something in us that He wants to carry along and He wants to you know, give it to other people so they can carry it along. There's a destiny on our lives for sure, but it's a great, there's a greater destiny, there's a greater purpose that God is beginning to show me that this, this is not about you being a pastor. This is not about your calling. This is about something much greater. 
And once you begin to see that you're fit into something that's much bigger and much larger in your life, that's what He wants us to do is to see it like that. And I believe when we begin to walk in that, we get over some of this immaturity that we have, this conflict that we have, this competition we have, all this stuff that goes on that shouldn't go on. Because all we are is like a little cog in the will of God. Something bigger and something greater that's at stake. And there are things at stake that God wants us to really realize. There are things. You know, you know, Jim, this is the truth about your missionary stuff. It's a much bigger thing than you having, you know, having some missionaries. You know, having a missionary training center. All those are big things. They're good, but there's something bigger. There's something, a deposit that God puts in people. It's like a spiritual DNA that He wants to propagate further. And so there's people that have come into this church to receive that DNA. You hear what I'm saying to you? That could be a real arrogant sounding thing, but trust me, it's not arrogant on any level. There's somebody that God wants to impart a DNA to you. And there's some people who've come into church, you have a DNA in you that God wants it to be um, you know, released to others. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Because, and it's not, it has nothing to do with any person. It has something to do with God's great purposes in the earth. Something that God cares about. Something that God wants to carry on. That somebody may have thought, well, you know, the Welsh Revival, that thing's dead and gone a long time ago. It's not. There are people carrying stuff from that revival that was born in them, that they've passed along to other people and other people have passed along. And one day, that thing may erupt again in the earth in a different form, in a different way. But see what I'm saying? It's so important that we see that. And it's so important that we subject ourselves to be able to receive the things that God has for us. Because God doesn't do things by accident. And there's people that are being robbed. They're being robbed because they have refused to receive the things that God has for them in this time, spiritually. Robbed. There's people in this church being robbed. I was asking the Lord about one in particular. The Lord said, He's being robbed. You've got to somehow let Him know He's being robbed because I have this thing on for Him that I want to give Him and He's being robbed of it right now. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's what the heart of God looks like on a subjective level. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody understand what I'm saying to you this morning? This is really important. It's really important. Because I believe God wants to give everybody in this room a, a revelation of His greater purposes. It ain't about just me getting my ministry. Well, that's good. Like I say, first grade. Sooner or later, get out of the first grade. You know, sooner or later, get out. Somebody <laughs> repeated it so many times. You know, and that's all. I probably went through it about nine years, you know. Nine years in the first grade, that would be bad. But you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? About the spirit and power of Elijah? There's a real purpose of God. Because here's Jesus, or here's Luke, here's Jesus, here's everybody in the New Testament saying, you know, Elijah's been dead for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. And we got this guy, John. Hey, he's got the spirit and power of Elijah on him. He got something that was passed up through the generations of time of God's people. And he steps on this scene. He's carrying it. And it's time for it to be released again into the earth. And there's coming a time when the things that God's been sitting there, the people have been carrying, they're going to get released again in the earth. 
you may be a person who's carrying it. You, need, you, need, you may be a person who needs to receive it. Or you may be a person who's received it, you're just rejecting it, you're baffled, you're messed up, you're going through all the stuff that people go through. You need to ask the Lord where you're at. But I especially want to really, I want to do this. I want to admonish the older Christians like you, Jim, you know, and the younger Christians. I ain't going to point out the ones, but y'all got to get it right now. We've got to see the bigger purposes, and you've got to quit being, the younger ones need to receive, you need to get in the receiving mode. And let God do this thing in you that He wants to pass along because it's critical for His purposes in the earth. You may be the person that it really fully manifests in. You may be that one or the group, that company of one. And the older ones like Jim and different people who have something, they carry something. To see it as something bigger, it's not just about me getting my deal going and my calling and all that stuff. That's going nowhere. We have to go beyond that. And I really want to encourage us today with that. The spirit and power of Elijah. God wants to release it again in the earth. He wants that on us. He wants us to see his greater purposes. Are you with me? You done with it? All right. Let's stand. And just say to the Lord, this is way, Lord, this is way beyond my understanding. I can promise you that. This is this is Okay, this is what I'm saying. Lord, this is the kind of thing I know it don't really, it, on some levels it, it doesn't make sense, but Lord, it is, really is that thing about revelation that you want to release to people. Even, even if it's them views, Lord, I pray for everybody in this room that they would get at least a glimpse of what I believe you're trying to say to us right now. You hear it, Lord. Hear it with their hearts, Lord. And Lord, as we was exhorted several years ago in this church, is to honor the old without rejecting the new. Lord, I pray we'd, we'd honor the history that you've given us. But we would not stop you from doing what you want to do now. We wouldn't hang on so hard to the old that we rejected the new thing that you want to release, Lord, in our lives today. So we ask you for that today. We ask you, God, to release on people this destiny thing. Lord, your destiny, the hope of your calling, Lord. I, I pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every person who you have done already, Lord. Amen. Thank you. We want to pray for the pray for people this morning. And ask the Lord to touch you. If you really want to be touched.